Matt Texas. Hey, folks, welcome to Hour One. John Zmirak, you're with us right out of the gate. Welcome back, my friend. Hey, Eric, it's very early in the morning for me. It's very early in the morning for you. What time zone are you in? Don't answer. Listen, uh, we have to talk before we talk about the brilliant articles you've written at the stream. We have to talk about last night's New Hampshire results. I was with a friend with two friends uh, that, you know, uh, at a restaurant watching the results come in. And it says Trump like 53, Nikki Haley like 45. And I said, wait a minute. This doesn't seem right. The polling would indicate that Trump is going to absolutely crush Nikki Haley. What's this? And then I found out this morning that over 70 percent of the people who voted for Nikki Haley, over 70 percent were not registered Republicans. I thought this is such a scam and it's going to make people think like Nikki Haley is really viable. Well, Eric, not, not with the GOP primary voters, except, Eric, I mean, it's Eric, amazing to me. Eric, think what a high percentage of Joe Biden's voters were not registered voters or live human beings. So there's that, that's another story. That's very funny. But just to be clear, I want to be clear to my audience that that this morning, the numbers you read, it's very deceptive. And so I put out a tweet because I think it was uh uh, John Solomon put out this information that 70 to 75 percent of the people who voted for Nikki Haley are not registered right. Republicans. You so thought, what are- kind of a primary is that? So Joe yeah. Biden people, you know, yeah. people who weren't officially registered Democrats said, oh, we can vote for Nikki Haley. So it is so skewed. Uh, anyway, I just want to be so very clear. Fake, fake Republican voters voting for a fake Republican candidate. You know, just like the Republican Party was when George W. Bush and John McCain and Mitt Romney were in charge. Fake Republicans. Nikki Haley is a Democrat plus a war. She's she she would give us 99 percent of the perversion and abortion of any Democrat plus World War Three. And that is why. And I you can hold me to this, Eric. I will ballot harvest for Elon Omar if it's what's needed to stop Nikki Haley in a general election. That is literally, I am not kidding, how bad I think Nikki Haley is. We have an article at stream.org. Nikki Haley let pro-abortion, pro-abortion zealots run wild at the U.N. Nikki Haley was under orders from Donald Trump, who foolishly appointed her to to the United Nations to promote a pro-life agenda, and she refused to do so. She constantly put him aside, shoved it aside. Pro-lifers I've talked to said Nikki Haley was the enemy. It was like she was representing the Netherlands or France, that, that that's how hostile she was to protecting unborn life at the United Nations. Meanwhile, she was going to like the Susan B. Anthony thing to fundraisers and talking about how pro-life she was. But we saw her in that first Republican candidates debate where she was sneering that we, we that Republicans do not have the votes to protect unborn life at any stage. She was she had a grin on her face. I, I thought she was running for president of Planned Parenthood, and I'll vote for her for that because I think she deserves the job. Nikki Haley wrote two autobiographies, 
That's Obama-level narcissism. And in both of them, talked about how racist America was. This after she was elected governor of the first state in the Confederacy on the promise of protecting Confederate heritage, which she then tore down. Nikki Haley started the national trend of tearing down statues. She started it, not the George Floyd rioters. Let's call Nikki Haley the first George Floyd rioter. That's the way to describe it. I I think that she has a great career as the head of the DEI office at Boeing. Yeah. That's where I see her going uh, to Boeing. Uh, But in the DEI, uh, in the DEI office. She has said it shouldn't take 10 years to get American citizenship. We We shouldn't have limits on legal immigration. We should just ask corporations who they want. And the government should bring in as many cheap workers as any corporation wants. She has effectively said to the American people, you know what? You aren't up to snuff. We're moving you out of the way and we're going to bring in some better people from other countries. Get out of the way. Oh, and if you don't like that, you're a racist troglodyte. and I'm going to demonize you. Uh, Everything that is wrong, not just with the Republican Party, Eric, but really with the human race can be summed up. (laughs) (laughs) you're going to narrow it down to the human race well since we're talking politics um trump's resounding win in iowa i mean resounding doesn't even do it justice crushing win in iowa uh and and resounding win last night in new hampshire has made rhinos read the tea leaves john cornyn senator john cornyn from texas who is a rhino Senator, he's no Ted Cruz. He has come out for Trump. Ronna McDaniel, oh. hoping hoping to keep her job, has come out for Trump. Very oh. interesting. When you have when you have people like that saying we're for Trump, that's ominous to me. Beyond that is, over, that is ominous to me because, yeah, John Cornyn is a taxidermied rhino in a natural history museum behind some smeared glass that kids' fingerprints are all over. That's <laughs> she's like the Museum of Natural History, you know, with the with like the the taxidermied cavemen. Yeah, I hope. Wait, I hope they're fake. I hope they're not actually taxidermied cavemen. Right, right. Um, but if they want to taxidermy John Cornyn, you know, I will send a well, check. Well, if they want to do it, I mean, you know, half the job is done, so it's easy. But my, what is ominous to me is you're seeing. These rhinos, these backstabbers, these people who called the January 6th protesters insurrectionists, these people who wanted to keep the January 6th footage secret so that innocent people would languish in prison. You're seeing these traitors suddenly get on board with Trump. My fear is that the same thing could happen all over again. They'll go have lunch with Mar-a-Lago and flatter him and he will appoint them to jobs. This cannot happen again. No, you... If you've watched recent interviews with Trump, he made it very clear in an interview, uh, I guess it was um, yesterday, uh, with uh, Brian Kilmeade of Fox News. He talked about how when he came to Washington in 2016, he didn't know the people in Washington, and now he knows them very, very, very well. The good, the bad, uh, the dumb, the smart, as he put it. Um, So I... What we need from, from Trump? Trump has been a flawed but an inspiring figure, like kind of like Samson in the Bible. And uh, Nikki Haley, let's call her Delilah, just to be neutral about it. Uh, Samson, sorry, Trump needs to realize now, with all that they're doing to him, they're trying to bankrupt his family, ruin his life, put him in prison, 
imprison all his supporters, you know, just ordinary American democratic politics, right? That that's what that's what Bush and Obama did to their opponents, right? No. This is Soviet-style politics. So with all they're trying to do to destroy him and his family and his supporters, Trump needs to realize he is Samson in the temple. He needs to pull it down around his ears. Otherwise, this is all a waste of time. And he yeah. should just go live in Belarus and start a modeling agency or something. Right. Well, that, that, that's that's where we are. The, the, the swamp needs to be drained. No more talking. Uh, the deep state uh, needs to be excised. You know, this is going to mean it's going to mean destruction of institutions like one institution that probably needs to be destroyed is the Federalist Society. That's the supposedly conservative legal group, which Trump's just outsourced his choice of judges to them. And then they got on board with the attempt to keep him off the ballot via the 14th Amendment. They are also responsible for John Roberts and uh, Amy Coney Barrett, who just voted to the Texas could not have razor wire protecting okay. itself. Que- and Biden, Biden's got- administration could cut the wire. Okay, I have a question. Um, I don't know if you have the answer, but this is this is my question. It's one thing to know something's a bad decision. Uh, it's horrifying that John Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett would would have voted that way. It's, right. it's horrifying. John, we're out of time. We'll okay. be right back. Folks, welcome back. Talking to John Zmirak. John Zmirak, I, I just want to be clear. Um, it is stunning to me that John Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett voted the way they did uh, with regard to, you know, destroying our southern border. It's horrifying. But the question is, why would they do that? It, it's one thing for somebody like, uh, you know, a, a very, very liberal justice um, to, 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 to come out for open borders and to kind of find some strained legal reason. But when you're talking about John Roberts and Amy Coney Barrett, it is truly shocking. Like, I don't understand. What would their legal justification be? I, okay. I suspect their legal justification was an excessive federalism. The idea of, oh, the president controls the borders. That's it. It's not up to the state. So if so, then they better uphold Trump's right to do mass deportations if he ever gets back in office, if we ever have a free election in this country again. But my second point, you're asked what their motive is. I want to point out two, two things. You might not know this. John, uh, Leonard Leo, the head of the Federalist Society, when, he, when John Roberts' name was floated and some people raised questions because he did not have a strong conservative track record, he was telling people, oh, no, don't worry about John Roberts. Every week he goes to the Opus Day evening of recollection. That is a Catholic organization in, in Washington, D.C. So in other words, he's a good Catholic. He'll vote the way we want. That is a purely tribalist argument. When um, Amy Coney Barrett was proposed, I wrote two columns at Human Events questioning whether she was a good choice for the court. And what I pointed out was that she wrote a paper in 1999 saying that no Catholic judge should implement the death penalty because Pope John Paul II had come out against it. Okay, John, I remember you talking about Amy Coney Barrett. uh, Saying that a Catholic judge should refuse to follow the Constitution where it it says that 
capital punishment is moral and just and correct because it would violate that that Catholic judge's conscience. And I said she should be questioned about that during during uh, confirmation because since she wrote that, it's no longer John Paul II as Pope. It's now Pope Francis, who is a globalist. And sure enough, nobody asked her that during the confirmation. She's now on the court. Pope Francis is calling for open borders. The U.S. Catholic bishops made $3 billion in the last 10 years uh, processing illegal immigrants. The U.S. Catholic bishops, especially through Catholic charities, have become one of the leading human trafficking groups in America. They are smuggling immigrants into the country and then sending the taxpayer the bill. That constitutes more than 40% of the bishop's budget. It's taxpayer money channeled through immigration. That's what keeps them going. I, I quipped on Twitter that the Catholic bishops in America are an immigration pyramid scheme and a gay employment agency with a Catholic problem. Look, I have to ask why these two uber-Catholic judges on the Supreme Court and I say this with grief as a lifelong, active, even obnoxious Catholic. Are they voting with po obeying Pope Francis rather than the U.S. Constitution? Okay, this, if that is the case, then they could be classified as Catholic integrationalists, correct? In in integralists or just tribalists. Integralists. I, I just, well, just tribalism. It's just voting. Our people. Uh, our, it, it suits no, our no, people. No, no, John. Come on. It, it's not just that. It's not just that. This is a fundamental misunderstanding of the Constitution and of their role as Supreme Court justices. In other words, if you can't do your job with with 100 percent fidelity to the U.S. Constitution, you need to resign. And that's what we're talking about here. And th this is exactly like what they accused JFK of when he was running against Nixon in 1960. They said, oh, he's a Catholic. Isn't his prime fidelity to the pope and not to the u.s constitution of course what a joke when you're talking about jfk but it but sounds like I, in the case of amy coney barrett and john eric, roberts eric, that might be the case eric i have to say ted kennedy was doing precisely that when he introduced the 1965 immigration act he was effectively acting as a tribalist uh we're i'm from an immigrant group I don't like the Protestant majority of this country. They, they've, they've snubbed me and my and my redneck family of, of gangsters. Uh, we don't we Irish don't like the wasps. So we're going to open the borders and, and dilute the country with more and more and more immigrants. That was Ted Kennedy. So JFK was never trying to enforce Catholic doctrine. But Ted Kennedy was trying to undermine the historic Protestant majority of the country just as an act of envy and vandalism. And I want to what I've said at the time when there were, when Trump was appointing Supreme Court justices, we need some evangelical Christians on the court. Why is the Republicans only appoint Basically, Irish and Italian Catholics who've been vetted by the Federalist Society. They used to be pretty good. We got Alito, we got Scalia, but they haven't been so great lately because the Catholic world itself has been somewhat degenerating as we get more and more communist popes. And that's a problem. Communist popes. Well, it's it's unbelievable. Um, you've written uh, about a lot of stuff. I want to get to it uh, sure. because uh, we... Uh, I mean, what are some of the articles you've written about? Well, I wrote a piece about about a group, uh, an organization you and I are longtime members of, the Cassandra Club. 
I don't know if you got to read this one, Eric. I did not read that one. Okay. Long ago, I'll just read the opening. Long ago, I received my laminated membership card in the exclusive Cassandra Club. It's a selective group of cynics in jaundiced colored tweeds who warned that if the masses obeyed the elites who were hurting them over the cliff, like the Gadarene spine, the outcome would be mass drownings. But nobody listened. The Cassandra Club is those of us who saw where things were going south a while ago and said, yeah, no, you don't want to do that. And a call comes from the, the Iliad. Cassandra warned the Greeks, warned the, the Trojans, don't trust the Greeks, beware Greeks bearing gifts. They brought the Trojan horse in front of the gates of Troy. Everybody said, oh, this is wonderful. They sent us a present. She said, maybe you don't want to bring in that giant horse through the gates of Troy. They pull it in, of course, the Greeks pour out and destroy the city of Troy. C Cassandra was a prophet, but she was cursed that nobody would ever listen to her. So she would always know what was going to happen and no one would ever listen to her. That's kind of how I felt since 1992 when I warned that Pat Buchanan was the right choice and not another member of the Bush family. Um, well, he wasn't another member of the Bush right. family back then. He was well, he a member of the Bush family. Yeah. What the first Bush, George W. Bush in 1992. Oh, no, no, there was an important Bush before him who people keep forgetting. Senator Prescott Bush of Connecticut. Oh, I see. Founded Planned Parenthood with Margaret Sanger. OK, the father of George W. Bush, the grandfather. I'm sorry. The father of, of George Herbert Walker Bush. That's 41. And the grandfather of 43, which is George W. Bush, was Senator uh, Prescott Bush from Connecticut, who, as you have said many times on this program, was not just a bad guy, but the founder of Planned Parenthood in oh, Connecticut. Founder. That's he... the Bush number one generation. We're now to generations third, three, and four. Yeah, and that's the that's the legacy that they go back to. So in, in, the, in my piece at Stream.org, it's called We're Ruled by Corrupt Bumbling Elitists and the Center Cannot Hold. And in it, I talk about the fact that America is now an oligarchy ruled by very haughty, self-confident elites. The problem with these elites are they're not smart. They're not hardworking. They're not courageous. They're not talented. You look at the people coming out of Harvard and Yale. You look at the people appointed by Biden. You look at the people at the Atlantic Monthly, at Disney, at ABC, these are not the best. We're not sending our best. These are not the cream of the crop. They are not particularly talented. They can't even hold their own in a debate. They, they can't even keep their stuff together and, and stay rational when they're trying to make a point because they weren't chosen for that. These are people who were chosen because they were alpha sheep. They're people who, learn, who know how to sniff around and realize yeah, yeah, I think the herd's going that way. And then they run out in front of it. And what they're they make it their job to just kill and destroy anyone who try, who gets out of line. So what they are is aggressive joiners, groupthink enforcers. They're like the sheep in Animal Farm. And any sheep who doesn't bleat along with them, they go rip his throat out. And they the reason the way they're running the country. They, they've completely given up on the idea of democracy. Um, remember when, when, they elect, when we elected Donald Trump, they just said, no, no, we're not going to accept the results of this democratic election. 
and the deep state attempted a fake treason investigation claiming that Trump was being controlled by Vladimir Putin. They knew that wasn't true. They didn't care. Our media still won't report that that was all a lie. We have to go to a break, folks. Lots more with John Zmirak. Don't go away. Welcome back. Talking to John Zmirak. John, this theme keeps coming up about these elites, these out of touch elites versus we the people. The people who you know got to pay bills, raise their kids, are living in the real world. Those people and their views, their common sense views, are being increasingly demonized by the out of touch cultural elites, and we see that uh, like crazy in the evangelical church right now. You have D- Russell Moore, the head of Christianity Today, which has dramatically gone over to the dark side. You have David French, a bitter, bitter never Trumper. Um, they've created something to combat in their mind this thing called Christian nationalism. In other words, my views, your views, they're calling it Christian nationalism. And they've created this thing with a ton of leftist globalist money. In case, ladies and gentlemen, you want to know where they're getting their money from to fund this evil Bible study, it's called the After Party they got their money from the Soros left. Actually, Megan Basham has written about it. We'll talk to her about it next week. But I know you know about It's so dismaying, honestly. It's just amazing. A lot of churches are going to fall for this. For Imagine this. if black leaders, black church leaders, were putting out a curriculum that said that blacks should not vote their political interests, that blacks should not organize that they should not try to assert themselves, that they, they they needed not to be uppity and they needed to learn to know their place. And then you found out that the money behind this was coming from segregationists and people who were who own you know vast plantations with sharecroppers on it. You might think, huh, that's kind of suspicious. Well, that is exactly what, what's being done. They are treating conservative Christians like you and me as if we were the slaves in 1870 who just gotten our citizenship and our right to vote, and we are dangerous, and we need to be kept away from the ballot box, and we need to be taught our place, and we need to be hobbled by Jim Crow laws. I wrote about the new Rob Reiner anti-Christian film, God and Country. It is basically like the birth of a nation. Birth of a Nation was, was a film glorifying the Ku Klux Klan, uh, showing how dangerous it was to let blacks vote and how important it was for the Klan to keep them away from the ballot box. What Rob Reiner and Russell Moore and David French are doing is like birth of a nation. They're saying it's very dangerous for Christians who believe in the Bible, who believe in the natural law, who want to protect unborn life and the, and the, the family and the existence of the two sexes and the existence of America's borders. These We have all declared these positions, which were mainstream in 1990. We have declared them to be right-wing extremism and toxic Christian nationalism. Christian nationalism is a made-up piece of hate speech. It is a dog whistle. It is like when the Nazis talked about Judeo-Bolshevism, where they tried to say that every Jew was a communist and every communist was a Jew. What these people are saying is every Christian who votes his conscience wants to burn witches and wants to lock women in their homes barefoot and pregnant. It is a smear. It is a disgusting lie. And the fact that Russell Moore 
editor of Churchianity Yesterday, is willing to take money from people who hate the church, who promote abortion. He's taking money from the Rockefeller Foundation, from the Pew Charitable Trust, all these places that fund transgenderism and abortion. But when they give money to him, we're supposed to we're supposed to trust. Oh, okay. Well, they made a mistake. They, they, in this case, they're accidentally helping the church. If you're fooled I, by this, you are too dumb to live. I I actually think um, I, I don't mean to flatter myself, but I, I I cannot help but think that Russell Moore and David French uh, and by the way, Phil Vischer is in this documentary made by Rob Reiner that they are on a full on push. Uh, to combat, you know, what I'm saying in my book, Letter to the American Church, that they're well, they bothered. Said so explicitly, they said so explicitly in their do- in, in the, the documents, they said we need to stop people like Eric Metaxas. So, Eric, you're not flattering yourself. It yeah. is true. They they see you as the next Dietrich, as like Dietrich Bonhoeffer or Dietrich von Hildebrand or Wilhelm Röpke. You are a troublemaker. You must be shut, pushed out of the way because you are waking people up. I, I love America, and I have the crazy idea that American Christians should advocate for God's values in the public sphere, and they call that Christian nationalism. They call that culture warring, power mongering. You know, John, what's what's interesting to me is that so they've created this Bible study, quote unquote Bible study. It's like when Satan quotes the scriptures in the wilderness to Jesus, right. like just because you're quoting the Bible. It's like when I talked about Andy Stanley's book, which which dramatically twists the meaning of the scripture to say what he wants to say, that we should not be involved politically. And you think, what well, it was Christians that brought about the abolition of the slave trade. It was Christians advocating in the public square that brought about the abolition of slavery. It was Christians that advocated uh, out of the churches for the civil rights movement. Can we talk about that. The letter to the American church by Martin Luther King, his primary target was black ministers who said the church should not be involved in politics. You could just have changed a few words and taken a letter from a Birmingham jail and republished it as letter to the American church because it is the same message. The gospel tells us to love our neighbor. An open border, a collapsing economy, Get outlawing fossil fuels so people freeze in the dark, cutting off kids' genitals, poisoning them with hormones, aborting babies. These do not meet up, match up with the love of neighbor any more than slavery and segregation did. We have to go to a break. Uh, The after party is. It's a nightmare that this has been put out there and that churches are going to swallow this poison. Uh, We'll be right back. Folks, welcome back. Talking to John Zmirak. Uh, John, I just want to remind people that we are in a battle. These are two views. One is a globalist leftist worldview being pushed by Russell Moore, David French, Phil Vischer. These people that have raised the boogeyman of ooh, Christian nationalism. And they call people like you or me Christian nationalists, which is simply preposterous. It's a made up name. We're trying to be biblical. Them, what I call them is Sadducees. Because they are working with Pontius Pilate to crush the zealots and persecute the native population. They are taking their 30 pieces of silver from Caesar. 
They are working with the same elites that are killing babies in abortion clinics and castrating children in so-called children's hospitals. They are working hand in glove with these people, and they are happy to do that because when they look at Donald Trump, they have this profound rational response. Ew, cuties. Oh, NASCAR, redneck. Oh, Cracker Barrel, Waffle House. No, literally, that is their mental process. It's like, oh, they, they, they smell like chewing tobacco. And then they look for intellectual rationalizations to justify what is fundamentally just a contamination phobia and class snobbery. They want to straighten their hair and pass for Episcopalians. They are smearing on the white guilt sunblock. SPF 50,000 to try to be as white as possible. And the whitest thing in the world is white guilt. Okay. So I want to be clear. If your church folks uh, has this Bible study called the after party, you know that churches of the synagogue of Satan get out of that church. Uh, If your church does not want to do a free screening of our film, Letter to the American Church, this documentary, again, that church has gone over to the dark side. We're in a war right now, and people are lying and smearing and using names like Christian nationalism to silence the church. And when the church is silenced, God is silenced. We are supposed to be the voice of God in our culture, in this nation, in the world, and that's what's happening. So I want to encourage people uh, to to Epic Times, by the way, they're doing pre-sales for Letter to the American Church, the documentary. I think that link is up today. I'll post it on social media. But we've got to get the truth out. And it is amazing to me that folks like David French and company are pushing forward this insane, unbiblical narrative, but trying to sell it as this is this is biblical. If it were biblical, I'd be all for it, folks. Trust me on that one. In my own defense, can we now admit that when I nicknamed him David Vichy French, I was being entirely accurate. (laughs) That really got under his skin. He was whining about that on Twitter for days. He had his little followers coming after me. You have violated the compact of civility. I said, where did I ever sign any compact of civility? No Zmirak would sign a compact of civility. None. None of my. Listen, uh, I mean, it's it, it is it is a sad thing when the church is divided. But what's even sadder uh, is when you try to pretend there are no theological divisions. The, the theological division between me and the, the folks we've been mentioning, it couldn't be deeper. It's it's we're, we're living in times they are deceiving many, many people. There are many churches that have been deceived. And this is all they need, the siren song of unity and let's just preach the gospel. Yes, while the Jews go to hell, while the Jews go to Auschwitz, we're just going to keep singing our hymns. That's where we are. There's just no way around it. They are the trained little poodles of Caesar. And every time they get thrown a live a a snap, they wag their little tails because they know they've been very, very good little boys. It's 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 awful. I mean, it's the corruption and and the the money that's being thrown around. It's it's depressing. John, uh, let's talk about the article you wrote uh, at the stream about uh, why the cultural elites praise the trans activists, but they're not so much in favor of the Down syndrome human beings among us. Yeah, the piece is called Why Do We Love Trans Activists, But Not Kids with Down Syndrome? There's a wonderful writer, Ben Zeisloft. Do you, do you follow him? No. 
Oh, he, I see. I see him on Twitter. He's an evangelical writer, and he posted this beautiful video of two young men with Down syndrome doing a cooking show on TikTok, and they are teaching us how to cook something. And they have Down syndrome, which you know is a real disability. I'm not going to say that it's an advantage. It's a disability. It's it's something that causes struggles and physical problems and mental challenges. But these are two image bearers. These are two human beings whom God made who are kind, harmless, gentle, and they just want to they just want to live. They just want to be treated like human beings. America aborts 80% of these people. They are they are hunted down in the womb and exterminated. 80% in America. Countries like Iceland, Iceland is bragging that it has cured down syndrome. Cured it by aborting every single down syndrome fetus who was detected in the, in the womb. So they are using the Nazi style of curing, where the defective are eliminated. They are designated life, unworthy of life, and they are destroyed. It's not just Down syndrome. In Belgium, one of the treatments offered for victims of Muslim terrorism is euthanasia. That's right. A young woman who was traumatized by being attacked by Muslim immigrants who had no place in Belgium, who attacked her school group at an airport, and she saw her friends killed and she was broken psychologically. The Belgian government, which would not execute the terrorists who committed the attack, they did execute the victim. In Canada, they now offer euthanasia for the clinically depressed, the final solution to the depression problem. Euthanasia is growing in the West. Meanwhile, they are boarding handicapped kids. Well, I ask in this article, and let's do a, an alternative universe, like the, the TV show Man in the High Castle, where the Germans won, won World War II. Imagine if our country, you, with its mentality that life is not sacred, Imagine if our country were, were euthanizing people with gender dysphoria, if, if our treatment for transgenderism was euthanasia. I think you and I, you and I, we would oppose that. We would be appalled by that. We would say these are human beings. They're not life unworthy of life. For all their problems, they're images of God. But as I point out in the article, all the arguments that are used to abort handicapped kids, they're too expensive. They don't, they don't have, they won't be economically productive. They'll be a burden on the family. All these things are even truer of the transgenders. We got to, we're going to go to a break. Uh, we'll be back with more on this folks. Uh, you need uh, to sign up letter to the American church.com is the website letter to the American church.com. We'll be right back. In hour two, we're going to be talking about the theologian Matthew Henry. Buckle your seatbelts. In the meantime, John Zmirak, let us continue our conversation. Sure. And so let's want to read a little quote from, from the column. Why does our society embrace transgender people as victims and heroes, as brave pioneers and fascinating transgressors, while ruthlessly hunting down and wiping out kids with Down syndrome? 
It's not as if people with Down syndrome made the same kind of demands as trans activists. You don't see them demanding we abolish IQ tests, dismantle every barrier to Down syndrome people, let them pilot airplanes, serve as cabinet members like Rachel Levine, label anyone who opposes that as bigots and haters. No, keeping a person with Down syndrome healthy is nowhere near as expensive as changing a person's sex and fooling his body for decades with artificial hormones. Down syndrome advocates don't insist we use special pronouns. They don't reject fundamental truths of biology. They want to re-engineer our education and society to accommodate them. They'd just like us to stop hunting them down and wiping them out. So I'm asking the question, why is it that creeps who want to dress up and drag and read dirty stories to small children, they are cultural heroes, but little babies who have Down syndrome have to be targeted and destroyed. And I have what I think is the answer, and it's a disturbing one. And I don't, I just, I just want to quick read it. While the average citizen might be equally unsettled by encountering either a person with Down syndrome or one with gender dysphoria, there's a critical difference between them. The Down syndrome person is simply a person who's born with some physical and intellectual challenges. There's nothing sexy or kinky or transgressive about him. He's just somewhat disabled. Might be sort of a burden. Nothing compared to the burden, the expense of indulging transgenders. But the transgender person, he's a transgressor. He's doing outrageous and kinky things that violate the natural law. If we can condemn or reject what he's doing, what would it mean for us, for our own sins, the ugly stuff in our past or in our Internet history? Libertines argue that rejecting transgender claims, or that's only the thin end of the wedge. It'll quickly be followed by bans on abortion, pornography and other violations of the natural law. And a lot of people are attached to those sins much more than they are to innocent, harmless people who just got born with an extra chromosome. It's interesting because I know what you're saying is right. And folks, you can read it at stream.org. But, you know, John, um, that's kind of where we are. There is this, uh, let's be honest, on the left, on the secular left, there's a hatred of God, of God's order, of God's rules, of God's people. And you see this manifest itself in history. And we're seeing it right now because there's something about the trans activists that is shaking its fist at God. Uh, it is attractive to people right. who hate God. They basically say, we're with that group because that group is shaking its fist at God and saying that, you know, you made me wrong. I, I'm not made uh, in the image of God. I'm not made, uh, I don't believe in what the Bible says about made in his image, male and female. Uh, I want to reinvent everything. I want to basically destroy uh, this idea that God is God and he created reality. I want to make my own reality. That is attractive uh, to people on the secular left. It's attractive to sinners. To all, On some level, it's attractive to all of us because we're all sinners. So what they're tapping into, it's not just some ideology. They're tapping into the fall of men. They're offering us the apple. They're telling Un- us to curse God and die. They're- Unbelievable. You saved others. Why don't you save ourselves? They can quote the Bible. There are plenty of instances of Satan speaking in the Bible, and they can quote those. Curse God and die. It's in the Bible. There's a bumper sticker for the back. (laughs) I'm sorry we're out of time. Folks, uh, I want to remind you, uh, sign up for Socrates 
plus go to socrates in the city plus.com very exciting i don't have time to go into it but it is so exciting uh please sign up socrates in the city plus.com uh and we'll be back just all right.